We're going to pick up where we left off last week, but we're going to back up to verse 9 because we left off in verse 11 and it needs to be together. This is one of my favorite texts and it's not only found in this place for it's the text of the whole Bible and that's Christ and Him crucified. This is what the apostles preached in the first century church. This is what Christ sent His apostles to preach and to lay the foundation of for the church that's here in this world that God hath given us. Christ and Him crucified. Paul is writing to these Jewish believers who were born of the Spirit of God, whom God has called out of the service they had spent their lifetime in, the law service that God gave through Moses. And they had been, by the grace of God and Spirit and God, translated into the kingdom of God. They had received the Gospel, but there were those around them of their own brethren who sought to drag them back into the lost service. That's no different than today's times if you think about it. And Paul is teaching them that our salvation is in Christ the Lord. As we began this text three or four weeks ago, we began explaining to you that the Pharisees worshipped angels. This text is about the angels and He who created the angels. He who has power over all flesh. He who created all things. The living Word of God who was made flesh and dwelt among us. That is Christ who was crucified upon Calvary's tree. The everlasting, eternal Son of God. And He's telling them that He had power over the angels. He created the angels. And we began here last week of Christ, where we're starting today, who was made a little lower than the angels. Christ is not created. Christ has no beginning. When the Bible says, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning of the end, that's speaking of creation, for Christ was there. He was there before the creation because He created creation. Okay? So, Paul says, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. Jesus, the name means Savior. Christ means anointed. He's the anointed Savior, the Messiah of God, spoken of in Genesis chapter 3 about verse 15. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. Christ, again, was not created. He was not made to come into existence. But when the living Word of God, when the second person of the Godhead, when the Son of God was born into this world, He's incarnate. He'd been here pre-incarnate. Not going to go over that again. But He's here when He came incarnate from the womb of the virgin. He came in the form of a man. He was made flesh. Man is made in the image of God. Let us make man in our image. Genesis chapter 1. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Christ did not come into the world bearing the form of an angel, although He is the angel of God. He's the archangel of God. He's the angel that led them through the wilderness. He's the fire that burned before them in the night as they travel through the wilderness. He's the pillar of a cloud that shaded them in the day. He's the rock from whence the water came. He's the, he's the angel that spoke 
to Moses in the bush that burned and was not consumed. And He is the archangel who at the last trump of God, when Christ appears, will gather His people unto Him. But He did not come in the form of an angel into this world. Christ came into the world to do the will of God. Christ came into the world due to the purpose of God in the eternal covenant which has no beginning. It's always stood. It's always been. And He was born into this world a little lower than the angels. He came in the form of man. He came in the form of man who had fallen in Adam to the sin and death of our nature, what it is now. God said, let us make man in our image and God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils and man became a living soul. He was good and upright. He was in the image of God. But after sin, Adam bore a son. His name was Seth, which means appointed. And he came forth in the nature of fallen Adam. And that's where we stand today. We see Jesus, our Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, who was made a little lower than the angels. Angels are not flesh. Angels are spiritual beings. Let me tell you this. The covenant of grace is between the Godhead and He saved man. He saved us in our flesh. His people, though He loved. I say that to establish the point. The angels are not in the covenant of grace. God made angels. God in His omniscience kept what are called the good angels from falling. Spiritual beings, they don't die. They're created. They have a start. So they're not eternal. They haven't always been. But they do not die. And there are good angels which God has preserved from the sin with Satan when he rebelled, desiring to be the Son of God. And there are bad angels which are kept in chains of darkness until the day of judgment. Christ did not come in the form of an angel. Angels are mightier. They're stronger than men by far. I was reading the other day of a gorilla and how, many, how much strength a gorilla has. It's, it's hundreds of times greater than a man. We made mention here in the last couple of weeks of the angel that killed 120,000 Assyrians in one night. Consider the strength of an angel. And then consider also the fact that it was meant for Christ to die because He said in the garden when they took Him, if I prayed the Father, He'd send me 12 legions of angels. What could 12 legions of angels do? they destroy this whole earth. But it was the Father's will that He suffered and bleed and died. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, in the form of a man, in the likeness of sinful flesh, yet without sin. That's very important. God cannot suffer. He came in the flesh to suffer. God cannot die. He came in the flesh to die. God cannot be seen. Now you think about temporal salvation in this world and knowing Christ by faith. God cannot be seen. Yet Christ is God manifest to us. We see, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower 
then the angels, then the angels for the suffering of death. Let me stop thinking and read you a little bit. First of all, in Philippians chapter 2, we see where Christ, verse 7, but made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him the form of the servant, Isaiah 42, my servant, whom I am elect, who mine elect, whom I uphold, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, in body, in nature. You understand Christ bore the full nature of man, yet without sin. And also the, He has the full nature of God because He is God manifest in the flesh. And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The Son of God laid the glory of the Godhead aside. He came to this world a little lower than the angels for the purpose of suffering of death upon the cross of Calvary. He suffered greatly in anticipation as a man, knowing He was about to be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified. He suffered greatly knowing that would come. Have you ever been in a battle? Have you ever known that you have, were going to do something where you were going to have a great chance of losing your life? Have you ever been shot at and, 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 and knew that it was going to happen before it ever came? I say that to make the point like a soldier or a police or a fireman running into a burning building that causes anticipation, that causes anxiety in your heart. Christ was all man. That's why He prayed in the Father in the garden, Father, if it be willing, let this cup pass for me. Nonetheless, not my will, but Thine be done. He suffered that great anguish and sweated as great drops of blood. It was not blood. It was sweat as blood coming from His body. That speaks of the, the amount and the, of, the, of the sweat and the amount of the anxiety that was upon the soul of the man, Jesus Christ, who was made flesh, a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death. He was beaten, He was scourged, He was spit upon, the Bible says. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Let that sink in. He had laid aside the glory of the Godhead, bore the likeness of sinful flesh, walked in this sinful world, and bore our sin. He bore our shame. Three hours on the cross, the Father forsook Him for His body became sin for us and God could not look upon Him. He despised the shame. And then the suffering on the cross, beaten unmercifully, nailed to a cross and hanged upon a tree. But we see Jesus. This is what we preach this is our salvation. But we see Jesus 
who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Doesn't stop there. Crowned with glory and honor. People worship confusion. He's dead. I don't know if Buddha ever existed, but if he did, he's dead now. Muhammad, the pedophile prophet, he's dead. He's dead. Christ came forth from the grave. When those dear sisters came down to the grave on the Sunday morning of the resurrection, the angel asked them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? We preach the resurrection of the Son of God. He came forth from the grave. He is crowned with glory and honor. He's ascended back to the right hand of the Majesty on high, who is God the Father. The glory that He laid aside to be born into this world. He didn't lay aside the power. He didn't lay aside the nature of God. He laid aside the glory of God or we would have been consumed when He came into the world because we're all sinners. That glory was returned unto Him and He sits at the right hand of the Majesty on high and He's crowned with this glory. He wears a crown because He is the Lord of lords. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord our righteousness. And He is the King of glory. He's crowned with glory and honor. For all honor is His. The praise belongs to Him. The honor belongs to Him. We see Him by faith again because flesh cannot stand before Him. It has to die to be with Christ and this sinful flesh laid down and, or else it has to be changed if you're alive on the last day when Christ returns. We cannot stand before Him any other way. He's crowned with glory and honor. The honor is His. The praise is to Him. That He, Christ, by the grace, unmerited love and favor of God the Father, should taste death for every man. If that's for every man, then every man that's ever lived will be in heaven in immortal glory. But the Bible teaches me there's a place called the everlasting lake of fire. The wicked will be turned into hell. And that teaches me if we rightly divide the word of truth who He died for, He died for the elect of God. He died for those the Father gave Him. He died for those He's always loved and stood for in the covenant before the foundation of the world which has stood through eternity and will stand through eternity. He died for every man of them. For it became Him, this is Christ, for whom are all things, everything's made for Him and His glory, and by whom, for He created, are all things, and bringing many sons. There are many sons of God, but few disciples. Unto glory. 
He brings us unto glory in heaven above. His domain, which has been prepared from eternity. To make the captain, this is Christ, of their salvation. He is the captain of our salvation. Perfect through sufferings. The suffering, first of all, from before the foundation of the world in eternity. Suffering because He was awaiting for His passion. Acts chapter 1. Because God's children were kept in bondage because of sin. Suffering to come into this world. Suffering to die for the sins of His people. Anticipation. Suffering. Waiting. Until the time appointed of God. Now there's no waiting in eternity. Eternity is now. It's one present day. But you see the suffering that He endured in the sense of awaiting glorifying and saving the sons of God. And the suffering that He bore upon the cross of Calvary. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. How was He made perfect? He fulfilled the will of God. It is Finished. Why did He say, I thirst, when they gave Him vinegar? That the Scripture might be fulfilled. He finished everything in the law and the prophets that God had given by holy men of God as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. He finished bearing the wrath of God. He suffered the wrath of God. What was due to us, He suffered for us to redeem us with His blood. He died instead of us. And He raised up for justification. He was made perfect. Perfect. The Son of God. Perfect. Who was He? Christ Jesus. Who was He? The anointed Messiah. He was made perfect through the sufferings of the Christ in the will of God, fulfilling what God had covenanted with Him to be and do. For both He that sanctifieth, this is probably beginning the part of the text we need to get to, a new part we haven't covered. For both He that sanctifieth And they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause He is not ashamed to call them brethren. He that sanctifieth, that is God in Christ, who sanctified you. To sanctify means to set aside. To make holy. To be holy is to be separate from the things of the world and to be in the righteousness of God. He sanctified His people in Christ 
in His death, burial, and resurrection. This was guaranteed in covenant before the world ever was. And even though Christ had not yet been born in the world incarnate, it was as good as done, it was set, it was certain, because it was agreed upon by the Godhead, and God cannot lie, and always has been. Never was a time it was not covenanted. Therefore, they're sanctified in the covenant from eternity. But see how you're sanctified in this world. God quickens you and gives you the Spirit, the Holy Ghost. He gives you life. He touches you. And you have He quickened while you were dead in trespassing sins. Romans 8, 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Christ died to cleanse you from your sin. Had God given you the Spirit of God when you were dead in your sins, you would have been consumed because you were guilty and convicted as sinners. But Christ died presenting you holy and without blame before God the Father in love. Now you are without blame. The righteousness of Christ is imputed to you, upon you, You're born of the Spirit of God, therefore you're led by the Spirit of God. And they are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. They are God's people. They're in the covenant of love. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We find in Ephesians 1, where we've gone from many times, uh, I won't go to four, I'll go to five, having predestinated us one and five under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will to the praise of the glory of His grace wherein He hath made us accepted in the beloved. Back to Romans 8 to see who He's talking about. For whom He did foreknow, verse 29, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Tie this together. Tie this together. For both He that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all of one. There's a part of Scripture that says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is in you. Therefore, you have that hope, that earnest expectation. God reveals Himself to you by Christ. Therefore, you know God. He sanctifies you by His Spirit through the work of Christ. Calls you from this dead, evil condition that we're in by giving you life and sets you aside and sanctifies you unto Himself. There is a reason that Christ was hanged between two men. There is a reason that the thief 
on his right side. Now boldly say that, for he shall set the sheep on his right. You can't convince me that thief was not on his right hand when he began to call out to the Lord to have mercy for a reason that was there, that we can see that Christ separates and sanctifies his children, many at the point of death. For both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified. Christ, His people, are all of one. We're all of God the Father. And we're all of one because we're sons of God. We're all of one because we're disciples of Christ. We will be all in one in heaven and immortal glory. We're all in one in family and brotherhood with Christ. And this is all the work of Christ who was made a little lower than the angels they worshipped the suffering of death. Saying, I will declare Thy name unto My brethren. Psalm 22.22 Speaking of Christ hanging upon the cross of Calvary. His bones were out of joint because He was made flesh. He hanged upon the cross. He would have to pull Himself up by His aching, excruciating, painful joints and cramping muscles to draw breath. And the pain would be so great He'd have to release. My bones are all out of joint. They all stared at Him and Jeered, if thou be the Son of God. And he makes this statement in verse 22 of Psalm 22 I will declare thy name, God the Father, unto my brethren. In his crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection, he declares God to us. No man has seen God at any time, yet the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him upon your heart and revelation. I will declare Thy name, God the Father, unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto Thee. Some people relate this to being David who wrote the psalm giving praise to God in the church. And I'll have that. I won't dispute that. But I know the Lord Jesus Christ praised God in song also after He instituted the communion service to show His death. They sang a song. And they went out into the garden and He was betrayed by one of His own. And again, I will put my trust in Him. This is from Isaiah 8, 17. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. That's from Isaiah 8. 
and 18, and it goes on to say, I and the children which God hath given me are for signs and wonders in Israel. Do you catch that? Christ the man. I will put my trust in Him. Nevertheless, Father, not my will, but Thine be done. He finished that work. And He trusted in the Father to raise Him up because it was made in covenant. And again, behold, I, the Christ, and the children, the elect of God, which Thou hast given Me. And then we finish the text in Isaiah for signs and wonders in Israel. We are here as signs and wonders in this dark, sinful earth assembled, few in number, the remnant of the church of God that Christ preserves to be signs and wonders and be separate from this cursed earth that's ruled by the prince of the power of the heirs were sanctified and made holy by Christ and giving Him glory. while we live in this world. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. For as much then as the children, that's His people, made of one flesh. God made man of one flesh. One blood. That was Adam. See a lot of things that men, I stress men, say, well, the Lord was black. No. The Lord was white. Certainly not. The Lord was Jewish. And Adam, the word means red. The clay of the earth is red. God formed man from the dust of the ground. The name means red. Okay? For as much sin as the children of God, Adam forward, are partakers of flesh and blood. Remember when Mary came to him, the Lord told her, I'm not a spirit. He was flesh and blood. Hold my hands. Touch me. For He raised up in His body. His body is resurrected. Therefore, our body is bought, paid for, redeemed, and will be resurrected. For as much then, all He's told us about the power and the glory of the Christ of God. For as much then as the children all the Father gave Him are partakers of flesh and blood. What is man that thou art mindful of him? How can man, a worm, be just with God. A worm is dirt inside and dirt outside. Tear it in half, put it on a fish hook, and see what it is. It's from the earth. It's earthy. That is us, the worm. And there's no way to be just with God but through Christ. We are but flesh. Mortal, sinful, fallen creatures. 
No chance to redeem ourselves. No way. Lost in condemnation with sin to inherit the everlasting lake of fire to the glory of God. But oh, don't we thank those words, but God who is rich in His mercy, wherewith He loved us. For God covered it before the world was that Christ would be made a little lower than the angels. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, He, Christ, also Himself took part of the same. The Jews hated Him without a cause. They hated Him, John 5, because He made Himself the Son of God. He was the Son of God. He's always been the Son of God. He is the Son of God today. And He will be the Son of God through eternity. They hated Him because He made Himself the Son of God. Many reasons for that. But He took part of the same. He was made flesh when He was born of the Virgin. That through death, He might destroy Him that had the power of death. That is the devil. We sinned in a body, we're condemned in a body, Christ came in a body, Christ died in a body, Christ raised that body up. That body was returned to heaven as the Son of Man, for the Son of Man shall come in His glory, 25.31 of Matthew. That's important because He redeemed our fallen body, our sinful body, and on the last day this body will be raised up righteous. And those who are alive and remain at that time shall be changed, and this body, spirit, and soul shall be with Christ forever. Because He was made flesh. He also Himself took part of the same, the body of man, where He suffered, bled, and died, bore the wrath of God, was forsaken of the Father during the three hours of darkness. God would not look upon Him. I'm going to tell you as a child, when I would do things I was not supposed to do, my daddy would look at me. And he would let me know in His look. He was ashamed of me. And that hurt me worse than any whipping I ever got. And I'm a sinner. Now you consider being forsaken of the Father as the very Son of God. My goodness, what a love, brethren. I don't care what we face and what we suffer in this world, we need to be rejoicing. He also likewise took part of the same that through death He might destroy them that had the power of death. That is the devil. Satan desired to be the Son of God Himself. I will be like God. I'll exalt myself above the stars. Beguiled Eve, Adam rebelled, sin entered the world and death by sin. Satan has deceived us, beguiled us. Satan has attacked us and persecuted us. He walks around today like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now you understand he cannot take you from God. You're in the hand of God. John 10, and no man plucketh you out, but he seeks to devour you and cause you misery. But you listen to this. 
He destroyed him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Because while you stood fallen and Adam guilty of sin, convicted, unable to know God, unable to come to God, Christ was born in a body. Lord and the angels made flesh in the likeness of sinful flesh. He died your death. He bore your shame. He bore your infirmities. He was a man of sorrow. He paid the debt of sin fully as He suffered the wrath of the Father and was forsaken of the Father in those three hours of darkness when the sun dared not shine. So you would not be forsaken. He defeated Him that had the power of death. That is the devil. I tell you why so many are trying to tell you, well, the revelation's here and it's coming. And there's going to come a battle. Because Revelation 12 says that the, 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 the dragon's going to fight the child. Brethren, read the Scripture. The child's already been born. Unto us a son is born. Unto us a son is given. Last chapter of Isaiah says he's born into this world. He's fought that battle. Armageddon was on the cross of Calvary when he gathered all his children to the battle, when he laid down his life. And He died for us. And He defeated Him that had the power of death by dying your death. That's why Revelation 12 says, now is come the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. You read that. This is not the long-haired, hippie, freedom-loving, little peaceful man that the world would tell you. This is the power of His Christ. This is the Creator of heaven and earth. And then it says, for the accuser, Satan, of our brethren, the children of God, is cast down. He can accuse you no more. No more can He say, God, you're a failure. These people sinned. I'm greater than you, God. That's what it's about. Pride, rebellion. That's Satan. The most beautiful creature God ever created. Pride, vanity, rebellion. That's how He attacks us. But He is defeated in the death for He died for you and your sin Burial in the grave, the tomb, resurrection from the dead. We just talked about Him sitting at the right hand of the Majesty on high in glory. And brethren, He is forever making intercession for you. And He's preparing a place for you. And just the moment your soul and spirit 
leave this body, you were with Christ above and it will be raised up at the last day and rejoined and be with Him forever. That through death He might destroy Him, Satan that had the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Most people, and I can see this, relate this to the Jews. For unto them was given the oracles of God. They knew the law that God gave to Moses. They justified himself by it. They justified themselves being the flesh of Abraham, the seed of Abraham and the law of Moses. And being under the law, they therefore lived by the law, knowing that the violation of the law brought death. There are various penalties for different things in the law in the world. But the bottom line is, to violate the law brings death. Christ came teaching us it's not committing adultery that's the sin of all of itself, for it begins in the heart, the mind of corrupt man. It's the very thought of being with a woman that's not your woman, your wife, is wrong. It starts inside. Hating your brother starts from inside our depraved nature. But my point here is they were in fear of death by the law and subject to the bondage of the law of sin and death. That's why when Galatians 4 and 4 says, when the fullness of time God, God sent forth His Son made of a woman to redeem them that were under the law. And primarily we can see that as being the elect of God which stood among the Jewish people, the tribes of Israel. But... Let's hop in a plane. Let's fly over to Africa. Let's land in the savannah somewhere, the prairie. Let's find one who's never seen civilized man. They have a fear of the law because they know if they commit a law and their government finds them, whether it's tribal government on the prairie or whether it's government from the city, of police and whatnot, they know they're going to have to pay for that. Brethren, whether we... Now I know what the Bible says and I agree with it fully that when the law came, sin became exceeding sinful. But I do believe that Satan knows and I believe the devils know and fear and tremble and I do believe that every conceived being somewhere in their heart has some type of a knowledge of God. They're either born of the Spirit and they love God. Even the wicked fear God. But He delivers His children. He delivers those He died for. For verily He took not on Him the nature of angels. Here we go again. But He took on Him the seed of Abraham. Let's talk about that for a minute. God called Abraham. God brought him into the land. Canaan, God promised it to him. Isaac, the son born unto him and Sarah. Isaac was the promised seed. Through Isaac came Jacob. 
and the tribes. There we see physical Israel. Let's go to Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield, and thy exceeding great reward. God is our shield that is in Christ. And then as we live in this world, people say, Well, you ain't got no reward in this world. You better read Scripture. And thy exceeding great reward. The knowledge of Christ, the more we walk with Christ in humbleness as we suffer and look to Him, He is our reward, for He walks with us and He carries us. He shall hold them in the arms. It's a gentle lamb and feed them. Micah 5. That's not verbatim. Read it. How are we sons of Abraham? How are we seed of Abraham? Linda did the ancestry thing. I did it. First time I did it, nothing came back. They said, you don't have any DNA. My son's last said, see, we told you he came from outer space. So I did it again. I've told you before, my lineage goes to Japheth, from whence came the Gentiles. Those to whom Abraham sent his son to take a wife, yes, those who, Laban, son of Laban, I said it this way, Lily White, I have no bloodline or DNA tying me to Shem or Ham. It's all unto Japheth. Therefore, by family, I cannot be related to Abraham. So why do I get hope in Abraham? Because he's talking about right here, back in Genesis 15. God took him forth abroad, verse 5, and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. That's not talking about physical Israel. That's talking about the elect of God among Israel and the elect of God among the Gentiles. That includes whites. That includes Asians. That includes Indians. That includes every family African, uh, Eskimo, every family, every race, every tongue. And he believed in the Lord and he counted to him for righteousness. Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him, Christ, to be made like unto His brethren. Like unto His brethren. That's important. We're going to talk before long about Him securing us when we're tempted. Because He suffered every temptation that we suffer. But you see, He is God in the flesh. 
Therefore, His temptation did not come from within His being. He never had the desire to take what another has. The only desire He has had is to fulfill the purpose of God. He's the living Word of God. He's the Son of God. He's the second person of the Godhead. All of His temptations have come from without. But He secures you because He's experienced. I know, my son, what you're going through. He is here to help us in all things we face from Satan and our flesh in this dark, sinful world. Wherefore, in all things it behoved Him to be made like unto His brethren, that He might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. First of all, to be a high priest, you had to be chosen of God for that purpose. To Levi, Aaron and his sons was the priesthood given. That's the high priest. Moses was not a high priest. That was given unto Aaron and to his sons who came after him. It was called the Levitical priesthood. Secondly, you had to be a human. You had to be man. You had to be a child of God a Son of God. And we'll see more of this as we go through this book. Therefore, Christ, being the eternal Son of God, being chosen of God, again, back to Isaiah 42, mind elect who might hold. He beholding to be made like unto His brethren, that He might be a merciful, not giving us what we deserve, but giving us grace, mercy, that He might be a merciful and faithful high priest. The high priest offered sacrifice. We'll see that farther on. Christ was the sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God. He shed His blood for without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Those priests offered sacrifice once a year to bring our sin into remembrance. He entered the holy place not made with hands and offered one sacrifice. And we are forever cleansed and saved from our sins. that He might be a merciful and faithful, faithful as Moses was faithful in His house. Christ is faithful as a Son of God over all things. In things pertaining to God. Purpose of God, salvation, eternal life, the church in this world, the kingdom here in this world, the preaching of the gospel, the receiving of the gospel, the singing of praise, prayer, every good gift, every perfect gift, and the place prepared for you in immortal glory in heaven above when that time comes. Things pertaining to God. 
to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. God has reconciled you unto Him in the blood of Christ. He made reconciliation in the blood of Christ who was made a little lower than the angels whom these Jews had formerly worshipped and who they were at risk of being called back into that vain worship service of the law. To make reconciliation for the sins of the people. That's done in Christ. We don't reconcile ourselves to God. God has reconciled us to Him. We are to reconcile ourselves to the will of God. Yes. And that takes prayer. And that takes worship. And that takes seeking God. Drawing nigh unto God. The older we get, the more mature we come in worship. Therefore, it's easier for us to see the will of God in all things and reconcile ourselves unto His will, for it is perfect. To make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that He Himself, Christ, hath suffered being tempted, He is able to succor them that are tempted. We'll get into that farther. Later. Who gives us comfort when we've lost a loved one? Who gives us strength when the world around us crumbles and the fools of the world run about yelling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Who gives us grace and picks us up when we fall? Who wipes the tears from our eyes when we cry? Sister Church in Leeds, I grew up with a son. He was close as a brother as any I've ever had. He was in Texas, and I'll close this, sitting in a tree stand. Sold all he had for cocaine. Had nothing left but a bow, a tree stand, a Volkswagen. The Lord touched him in the tree stand. He got down. He went to the service station, called his mama. Said, Mama, I'm coming home. She cried. He drove all the way home. Lived with his mama till the day he died. Loving his mother. And she had that. And I say that to make the point. She said, I was driving down the road thinking about him coming home. And I cried. And I had tears running down my face. And God wiped the tears off my eyes. She said, I literally felt a hand wipe the tears from my eyes. He secures us when we are tempted. He loved us when we should have been not loved. He died for us. He was made lower than the angels. He carries us through this world in the providence of God through Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is teaching these born-again Jews.